You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. You could go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Now, I know you were driving to church, and you're like, man, baby, I really hope the preacher's got something out of Deuteronomy tonight. I just really need some encouragement. I just need some Deuteronomy in my life. Well, you're in luck, because we're going to read out of Deuteronomy chapter 1. The title of my message is See, Go, Take. See, Go, Take. And as I was coming up with this message title, I thought, wow, that sounds like three easy steps on how to be a pirate. You just see what you want. You just go and you take it. Uh, but this is not uh, the pirate manifesto. This is actually a message, a sermon at a Christian church. So uh, don't, don't fear. Um, but I'm just really excited um, to, to share uh, this word with you. So um, as I am um, uh, preaching, there's going to be, uh, you have a card uh, that looks a little bit like this. This is your vision card. And so what we would love for you to do is um, just as God, I, I'm believing that God is going to be downloading to you just an incredible vision for 2020 and beyond. If you want to write that down, and it's really cool because I won't be offended. I'll just think you're taking notes. I won't know that you're ignoring me. I'll just think you're taking copious notes as I speak. And what we're going to do is after service, we're actually going to pray over these and just really seal it and, and believe God that he is going to not just give you the vision, but help you go in and take it in Jesus' mighty name. So just be filling those out um, as we go along, and we'll have some time to uh, to pray over them here um, in just a minute. I literally, there's like confetti on my notes. This is incredible. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. I love this day. But hey, so um, give you a little bit of historical context before we read out of Deuteronomy. Thank you, worship team. You guys are incredible. Go take a break. You'll be back with me in just a minute, so just don't get, don't get too comfortable back there, all right? So uh, Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is the, the fifth book of what is called the Pentateuch, which is uh, of the Torah, the, of the actual like Jewish, Jewish scriptures um, that make up a part of our Christian Bible. And it's the, um, the last book of the Pentateuch, and it is actually Moses' farewell address. So Moses is an old man, he's dying, and this is his kind of last charge to the Israelites, to the Hebrew nation. And so the Israelites, um, if you aren't familiar with church, I'll give you a quick, uh, quick little synopsis here. So they, uh, the Israelites are God's chosen people. They, this entire nation was really birthed out of slavery. They were all slaves um, in Egypt, slaves to the Egyptians. Um, and, uh, and God speaks to Moses, says, hey, you're going to deliver my people out of Egypt. So he goes into Pharaoh, says, let my people go. The Israelites go, which is called the Exodus. They make their way to Mount Sinai. And, and um, while they're at Mount Sinai, Moses um, uh, has an interaction with God where he makes a covenant with Moses and gives him the Ten Commandments and says that I will be your God, you will be my people. Here is, uh, you know, the, the rules that I want you uh, to live by. And then they immediately make their way to um, the border of a promised land, of a land that God promised them. See, every, every nation needs two things. You have to have a land to occupy and a constitution of sorts to actually govern yourselves. So God gave them the constitution, so to speak, at Mount Sinai and then promised them a land that they were going to go and occupy. You know, a lot of people kind of miss a little bit. They think that it took them 40 years to get from Egypt to the promised land. It's actually not true. 
they actually got to the promised land, to the border of the promised land really quickly, like in 18 months or something like that, okay? Then that's when, so remember, this is just a couple, like very shortly after they left the promised land. And so they're, they're there um, at the, the border of the promised land, and they, they, they say, hey, well, hold on. Before we go out, let's send some spies. You actually heard from Pastor Jurgen um, earlier this morning if you were here. And I think it's actually really, really cool that Pastor Jurgen this morning in his message spoke all about kind of how to get to a vision, what God has really laid on my heart is once you have the vision, how to actually see it come into fruition. And it's just a really beautiful thing because we didn't plan that. I didn't know what Pastor Jurgen was going to talk about. And he actually talked a lot about the Israelites and the 12 spies. But so these 12 spies go in, 10 of them come back, say, man, there's just no way. The land is just crawling with these giants. We're going to get our butts kicked. We can't do it. Uh, two of the spies say, we can do it. Well, God gets super angry with the Israelites. He's like, are you kidding me, guys? Like, I levied these 10 plagues on Pharaoh that, like, the world has never seen before. I parted the stinking Red Sea for you to walk through on dry land. I, and then you, we get to this, the border of the land, I promise you, and you like, you don't think that I can help you overcome the obstacles in the way. So God says, unfortunately, because of your lack of faith, you're you're not going to get in. And so I'm going to actually wait 40 years until this entire generation dies off. And maybe we'll try again with the next generation and see if you can believe that I, I, I can overcome, that I can bring you into this promised land. So here we are in Deuteronomy chapter 1. And you have to understand, this is Moses speaking to this new generation of people, okay? Like all of the children of all the people who who originally left Egypt. And he's like, hey, we're going to try this again, okay? With your parents, we got to the promised land, and they doubted, and it didn't work. God got angry, so we're going to try again with you. So the whole book is Moses just recounting every great, miraculous, incredible thing that God has done all along the way and begging this new generation of Israelites to, to have faith, believe God, to go in and take this land that has been promised to them. So with that, we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. You ready? Here we go. It should be on the screen behind me. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah opposite Suf between Paran and Tophel. Don't worry about all these names. Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to uh, Kadesh Barnea. And Kadesh Barnea is um, on the southern border of this promised land. Verse 3, in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him um, in, his, uh, in commandment to them after he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Edri. Beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, so right now they are on uh, in the plains of Moab, which is on the eastern border of the promised land, right about to go in there. And again, Moses is reminding this next generation Hey, guys, it's, it's time. It's time to take this land. Let's have faith. Let's believe God. And so uh, verse 6, the Lord, this is Moses speaking, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb, and Horeb is just the area around Mount Sinai. And so he's talking about when we were originally there and got the Ten Commandments. He's reminding this next generation of what happened 40 years ago, okay? He says, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah and the hill country and in the lowland and in the Negev and by the seacoast to the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates in verse 8. Here's the important part. See, I have set the land before you. 
Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of it. See, go, take. So what can we learn this evening about, again, not just having a vision, and, and having a vision is great, but, but God said to the Israelites, you can't, it's not enough to just see it. I mean, if you just see it, that's great. It starts with seeing, but you have to go in and take it for it to become a real thing in your life. And so those are going to be my three points, see, go, and take. So I just want to walk through this um, and see what, what God would, would lay before us. So point number one, you have to see the promise, not the present. You have to see the promise, not the present. So in verse 8, it says, see, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So this isn't just any land. It wasn't like God was like, all right, Hebrew nation, just pick a place, any place, up to you. The world is your oyster. He said, no, no, no. There is a specific land that I have promised to you. I have promised to your fathers. And so every vision from God is attached to a promise from him. And so the problem was that the Israelites they didn't see the promise. They saw the present. They get there and they're like, yeah, I mean, sure, the land is, uh, is overflowing with milk and honey, but there's like these giants there that occupy the land. How in the world are we going to go in and beat them? And they saw what was in front of them. They saw every obstacle, every way that it couldn't be done and forgot about the fact that God promised it to them. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And a lot of people you know, um, maybe non-believers or whatever think this verse is kind of silly and it means that, you know, Christians, we're just like ostriches with our heads in the sand. We, we don't listen to the evidence. We don't listen. We just, we walk by faith, not by sight. But that's not, that's not at all what this verse is saying. And uh, maybe to explain it, um, it was for my wife's uh, 30th birthday, for Katie's 30th birthday. We went to, um, to Chicago and did a little just urban vacay. It was super fun, just bouncing around the city and went to uh, the Sears Tower. So um, at one point, it was the largest building in the world, and you can still ride it all the way to the top, get to the top of the Sears Tower, and, you know, you pay, like, some obnoxious, way overpriced 20 bucks per person for four minutes or whatever. And you get up to the top, and they have these plexiglass acrylic boxes that, you, that are completely translucent that are attached to the side of the building, like 115 stories up or whatever. So you pay 20 bucks and you can step out into this acrylic plastic box for about 30 seconds before they usher the next people in, right? But it, I'm not scared of heights. I'm really not. But there is something weird about stepping out and you're just literally stepping out and your knees are getting a little wobbly and you're like standing on this, just kind of like, all right, we're good. Katie, let's take a photo, you know? And it just feels really unnatural. And, and, and you just kind of realize that all that is beneath me and imminent death is this three or four inches of structural material, right? That's it. And so, you know, it's just really unsettling because of what I saw, what I saw beneath me. I could see the ground really, really, really far away, right? So, you know, we get done, we take our picture, it was awesome, and then we get back in the elevator, and um, as soon as I stepped in the elevator, I realized something, that in the elevator, I'm in the exact same situation. 
There is a 130-story cavern beneath me, and the only thing holding me up is a few inches of structural material. That's it. But I wasn't scared in the elevator. My stomach wasn't dropping. You want to know why? Because I couldn't see the present. And a lot of times it's our circumstances around us that actually put the fear in us. And we have to remember that a vision is built on a promise. It's not built on the present in Jesus' name. So we have to see the promise, not the present. Point number two, remember verse eight said, see, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of it. So go speaks to faith. You have to go in faith. Point two, go in faith. Go means that you take the first step. And you know, that's kind of a sort of an expression, right? Oh, you, you got to take the first step. Well, in the case of the Israelites, that actually was literally what happened. So if you fast forward a little bit, you get to the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses dies and Joshua succeeds him. And God comes to Joshua and says, hey, Moses is, is, is and actually it's really pretty, like literally in the, in the beginning of Joshua, God comes to Moses, or comes to Joshua and says, Moses is dead, you're up. Like, not, doesn't sugarcoat it, doesn't make it, doesn't say, you know, Moses, this great. He says, Moses is dead, you're up, let's rock and roll. And he tells them to go and cross the Jordan River. And in Joshua chapter 3, that was the very, very, very first obstacle was to cross the Jordan River. And it says in Joshua chapter 3 that it was harvest time and the Jordan was overflowing, just rushing with rapids, like level 5 rapids, unbelievable amounts of water just flowing through. Like, you can't just kind of wade your way across in ankle-deep water. I mean, this is powerful rapids that is going to just pull you under and drown you. I mean, like really, really serious stuff. And so then God tells them that you are to set your foot in the Jordan River and the waters will cease. And I bet if I was there, I think they probably would have been like, uh, hey, Josh, can you talk to, to God and uh, maybe ask him to stop the water, then we'll put our foot in. But that wasn't, that wasn't the word from the Lord. The Lord said to put your foot in the water first. And the instant that you do, the raging waters will stop. You have to take the first step. Psalm 119, 105 says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I love that illustration of a lamp. You have to remember this was written, like now they have lamps that are like, powered by these lithium-ion batteries that have 12 million lumens, and you can illuminate all of lower Manhattan with, like, one battery-powered lamp. And that's, we're not talking about those kind of lamps, okay? We're talking about, like, an oil lamp. And just the, I love the illustration that we get, right? It's like, your word is a lamp unto my feet. And just imagine holding a little oil lamp out in front of you, and you're out in the wilderness, out in the, in the forest, can just pitch blackness all around you, right? And you've got this lamp held out in front of you, and so you would just, just have this sort of ring of illumination around you, just illuminating a few steps, right? When you look up, you still see pitch black. This little bitty oil lamp is not just illuminating every single step along the way, every obstacle, every single detour you're going to have to take, every turn. All you see is a few steps in front of you, right? So imagine you're holding this oil lamp out in front of you. So how would you get this lamp to shine any farther? Take a step. That's the only way. And so in the instant... In the instant that you take a step, you see a little bit more. Now, if you don't move, the light doesn't shine any farther. But the moment you do, in the exact instant you do, you get a little bit more. You see a little bit further. You see another couple steps ahead. And the more you step in faith, the more it is illuminated before you. And so we have to go in faith to take that first step of faith. 
you know, my um, Katie and I, we, um, we, when South Campus started, um, Drew and Emma Davies asked us to go and be a part of the team to kind of come and, and start this campus. And we were living right next to Central Campus up um, off of uh, Balboa Avenue. I literally, we could like throw a rock and hit Central Campus. And so for um, a couple years, I didn't throw a rock, actually. That would be vandalism and not the heart of God, so I didn't do that. But I could have. I could have. Um, and, uh, and so for a couple years, we actually um, drove down here from, from Kearney Mesa and, um, and, and just, you know, it was, it was hard to, to be in community uh, so far away from, from the people of this campus. And, and as we had been here for a couple years, God began to speak to us and, and really um, we felt God uh, prompt us and promise us that we were going to buy a house in Chula Vista, that we were going to physically take ground here in, in South Bay. And so um, it was... Uh, so we actually moved in with Katie's parents up in Oceanside, California, uh, and drove all the way down for nine months while the house was being built. And I want to, like, it, it, it was not, I would love to tell you that every single step along the way, I just had supernatural faith and was like, oh, this is easy, whatever. So the problem is banks generally don't like to lend money to people that don't have any money and really no capability of paying back the loan. That's just kind of how they work. I don't get it. I, I don't understand. But that's kind of the situation that we found ourselves in where God spoke to us and, and said, hey, I, I want you to, to, to find a place and move in, um, take ground physically in San Diego. And we were like, we were looking at the present and like there is no way that we can do this. There's no way that we could make this happen. But because we knew that it was a promise from God, because we saw a vision, we went in faith, and we put down a like $5,000 earnest money deposit for them to start building this house here in, in San Diego. And that was like really like the $5,000, like that was pretty much it. So then it was like, okay, cool, now we're back to zero, and I'm watching this house be built, and I'm like, okay, there's a foundation now, okay, wow, it's getting a little real. And uh, there's, they're, they're framing it, they're, and, and, and I'm just like looking at that, looking at the bank account, telling Katie, hey, Katie, like when this thing's done, they're going to expect us to start paying for it. <laughs> and, but we knew, we knew that God had promised it to us. We had a vision for it. We stepped out in faith, and we saw God move in such an incredible way. And I know that it was because we went, because we took a step. It didn't make sense. It was crazy, and, but God honored our faith. We saw this vision, and we stepped out in faith. And then fast forward several years, and um, I uh, was working um, at an engineering job. It was a great job. I love this job. Got to do um, some really, really cool work, uh, made, made good money, but had, had heard God speak to me that it was time to leave. It was time to move on, time to do something new. And it was, and, and I'd actually heard uh, this like a while back, and God had given me a date that on this date, it's, it's time to make a decision and, and move on or stay. And um, that date got here and it was just so hard, you know, just kind of had the golden handcuffs, had great, doing great work, uh, you know, really super flexible job, good money, super hard to leave. But God had given me that date, had spoken to me, and I was just like, you know, I don't know, I don't know. And so as I started, like, kind of the pressure from God kind of got a little more, a little more, started getting pretty, like, okay, okay, goodness, please stop yelling at me, you know. And so I knew that it was time to move on. But what I found myself doing, embarrassingly, is trying to coordinate everything in my own strength where the second I left this, I would have a 
perfect, like everything figured out over here, no lapse in income, was trying to, to, to you know, kind of keep things going over here while I worked this out, trying to juggle all the, keep the plates spinning, juggle the, the whatever, the chainsaws, I don't know, and was trying to get it all worked out in my own strength and was just complaining about how hard it was and how nothing was working over here and was still trying to keep this going and had coffee with a friend. And a great friend, actually, he's here. His name is Nick Selton. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I give you all credit and God as well. Um, and uh, went to, to coffee with Nick, and he just he called me out as a good friend should and just said, hey, man, like, uh, you know, you stand up on stage and, and you tell people to have faith and to step out. And I felt about this big uh, for a few minutes, but then I said, you know what, Nick, you're right. And literally that day, stepped out in faith, left my job, and, and have seen incredible blessing since then. It was literally the moment that I left and stepped out into the unknown, not knowing God came through. I've just seen financial breakthrough after financial breakthrough the whole way along. And so we have to go in faith. We have to go in faith. And lastly, it says, see, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of it. Go in and take possession. Now, um, I think the temptation is to feel that that means you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just try harder and grind it out and hustle and da 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 And that's not, that's not what the verse says. In, in verse 8, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 8, it says, See, I, God speaking, have set the land before you. Go in and take possession. And that, that verb, that Hebrew word, um, that Hebrew verb set is used other places um, in the Bible as give. So he's saying, see, I have given the land to you. Go in and take possession of it. So the work has been done. I have done it. You just need to go in and take it, right? And so, you know, we take territory. We um, make a difference. We are victorious, not because we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try harder. It's not because of what we do. It's because of who we are. It's because of whose we are. It's because we serve the supernatural God. We don't, we don't, and so point number three is we take, we don't try. We take, we don't try. And I love, um, if you fast forward to, to, towards the beginning of, of the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 4, when God comes to Moses and, uh, and kind of starts him on this journey, he says, you know, Moses, you are, you're my guy. You're going to deliver the people of Israel out of bondage from the Egyptians, and I, you know, I'm gonna, it's going to be awesome. And Moses is like, uh, well, uh, God, there's a big uh, problem here. Um, I uh, am slow of speech and I am not eloquent. So we know that Moses had some kind of speech impediment or stutter or something, some kind of serious speech impediment that to him disqualified him from being able to lead all these people. And you know, like, when you, you think about Moses going in and saying Pharaoh, you think of like Charlton Heston coming in like, Pharaoh, let my people go. But it, w- it was not like that, okay? Have you, have you seen uh, Sling Blade with Billy Bob Thornton? That's Moses, okay? Moses is like Billy Bob Thornton from Sling Blade, if you haven't seen it. So it was really, it was kind of more, it was more like this. Pharaoh, I think that you should let my people go. 
And it's no wonder Pharaoh didn't listen to him, right? He's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And so God levied these 10 plagues against him, right? So we think that Moses went in there thundering voice, but he didn't. He was unqualified, unable. And I love what God says to Moses. So Moses says, I am, I am slow of speech. I am not eloquent. I can't do this. And you know what God didn't say? He did not say, yes, you are eloquent, Moses. You don't listen to those naysayers. You have a beautiful voice. You're special. He didn't say that. He said, I am your God. He didn't. So listen, if more people were like God, we wouldn't have all these yahoos embarrassing themselves on American Idol because nobody ever told them, you are not good at singing. The problem is we have all these people that are just like, no, you, you're great. Yeah, you got a real shot. Get up there. I think you can do it. Yeah, Keith Urban's going to love you, right? But no, God didn't say, Moses, no, don't say that about yourself. Be self-confident. You're awesome. He said, no, yeah, maybe you are incompetent. But you know what? I am your God, and I am with you. Come on. In Judges chapter 6, Gideon. God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon is like, what? Uh, God, you have the wrong guy. I mean, out of our nation is a bunch of sissies, okay? Then within these sissies, there's like a, a, a subgroup of sissies that I'm a part of. And actually, out of this group, this subgroup of sissies, out of all the sissies, I'm actually the sissiest of all of them. So Gideon's like, you have the wrong guy. And I love it again because God does not say, Gideon, no, shame on you. You need to speak highly of yourself. He didn't say that again. Gideon, God said to Gideon, I am your God and I will be with you. I will be with you. So in order for us to take, to have a vision, to go in and take it, you know, we have to realize that in the same way that the Israelites had to go in and they went to war, they went to Jericho, they conquered all of these cities. So they're doing war in the physical, right? But here um, in, in our day and age, we, we, you know, we, we, we do battle in the supernatural, in the spiritual. And so in the same way that the Israelites took up the sword and had to go in and fight, we have to fight as well. And I love in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul um, spells out this, this sort of proverbial armor that we where and it should be on the screen behind me starting in verse 13 Ephesians 6 13 through 18 it says therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace verse 16 above all taking the shield of faith um, with which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And what I love about that is out of all of those pieces of armor, there's actually only one offensive piece. And that's the sword of the spirit. Every other piece of armor was defensive in nature, the shield, the helmet, the, bless, the, breast, the breast plate. But the, the sword was the only offensive weapon. And so in the same way, 
that the Israelites had to go into this land that was promised to them. They saw it. They had to go in and take it by the sword. So too, we have to take our vision. We have to go in and take the vision that God has given us also by the sword, by the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And what I love is it doesn't say that we will study the Word, of the sword of the Spirit, and we will study it to death, or we will memorize it to death or quote it to death. It says, um, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, that we are to use our sword to pray, to pray the word of God, to pray the promises of God, to declare good things over our family, to pronounce God's blessing over our city, over this church, over your life, over your finances. And so we have to be a people that is willing to take by praying by praying. Prayer is the key. If you want to be able to see a vision and not just see it, I mean, it's great to see it, but I don't want to just look at it. I want to go in and take it. And we go in and we take it by taking up the sword, by going on the offensive, by going into our promised land, by kicking out the people that are occupying it instead of us, by going in and taking possession of the land that has been promised to us in Jesus' name. And so right now, um, we're going to we're going to pray, and we're going to um, write down um, uh, on our vision cards everything that you believe. And I don't want you to write down um, just, like, some, some goals, you know. Goals are good. Goals are great. They're awesome. But that's really not a vision. You know, when uh, on New Year's Eve, if you weren't here, we had a, this massive party here at, um, at South Campus, and it was wild. Like, I thought, like, I was, things are going to get broken with how crazy it was. And there was a thousand people crammed into this room, the room that you guys are sitting in. And it was unbelievable. It was electric. It was buzzing with expectancy. People just waiting on God to do something astounding in their life. And I was up here with Katie, you know, kind of facing the stage and looked back and just saw a vision. I saw this campus filled three times every single Sunday with a crowd just like that, just filled with expectancy. And it wasn't about the, like, you know, you may say, okay, so then uh, we had a thousand people, right? And uh, three services, three, that's so 3,000. So, so your, your vision is to have weekly attendance at this campus of 3,000. No, that's a, that's a goal. That's a, that's a metric kind of that is kind of part of the vision. But the vision was this group of people crammed in here, expectant, hungry, thirsty, ready to see God move, ready to see God move in an astounding way in their lives. And so as you're writing things down, I want you to write down an audacious vision, something that is insane. I mean, if it's like, you know, I'd like to get a 3% raise at the end of the year. No. I want you to just have bigger vision. I want you to just believe for something insane, just radical. And I want you to hear from God. I don't want you just to be something that you're making up. And so maybe you're with your, your spouse, uh, maybe you're alone, whatever. Uh, maybe you guys want to fill that out together. But here in a second, the, the worship team is going to just play and lead us in, uh, in some worship music. And uh, we're going to have our prayer team lined up here on the front. We're going to pray over those vision cards. We're going to anoint them with oil. But before I do, really, really quickly, if we could, just every head bowed, every eye closed here in this place. And maybe, you know, all this talk of, of vision um, and, and kind of hearing from God and, and seeing this vision, it, it's really hard to hear from God um, if you don't know him. 
And so if, if you find yourself in here and you just feel infinitely far away from God, maybe you've, you, you've, you've never had a relationship with him ever before, maybe you have years ago and whatever, life got in the way, you slipped away, fell away, whatever, doesn't matter, or maybe you just feel so far from him tonight. Well, I'm telling you, the, the very first 5 p.m. service at East Lake Campus of Awakened Church, God is beckoning you back, calling you back to him. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's it. You don't have to go rack up a bunch of good deeds to try to outweigh your bad deeds. You don't have to go say a bunch of Hail Marys. You don't have to go say sorry to the people you've wronged. You don't have to start serving on a team or whatever. Just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. So if you're in here this evening and say, yes, that's me. I feel far from God. I want to be reconnected to him. I want to go into 2020 reconciled with the God that made me, adopted into God's family. I'm just going to walk you through a very, very simple prayer. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift the hand up so I know who I'm praying with. One, two, three. Who are those ones here that need to make that decision right now to be reconciled to their God? I see that hand right there. Who else is there that needs to make that decision? Awesome. I see that hand there in the back. Incredible, incredible. Who else wants to be adopted into God's family? Your sins forgiven. God, to download a vision for your life, to tell you that he has a destiny for you. I see that hand. It's incredible. Who else is there? Anybody else want to give a couple more seconds here if anybody needs to make that decision? Incredible, incredible. Hey, can we give a big round of applause for everybody that raised their hand? How incredible is that? Your 2020 is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be filled with adventure. And right now we're going to pray. I'm going to walk you through a very, very simple prayer. And everybody in this building is going to pray right alongside of you. Because when you uh, have God as your father, you also get a bunch of brothers and sisters too. So everybody in the building, can we pray this prayer uh, along with these people that raised their hand? Let's say, Dear Jesus, I thank you today for dying on a cross for me. I repent of my sin and I declare that this year will be the greatest year of my life. You have a vision for me. You have a plan for me. That I am a child of God. That heaven is my home. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God a great shout? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.